everybody. This is Kimberly. And this is Katie. And you're listening to A Date with Dateline. This episode is called The Clearing, and it is episode three of season 32 because we're getting two episodes a week now. I think I mentioned that. It's so exciting. Our bounty has burst forth with... Does that make any sense? Yes. Where I was going with that? It's a bountiful harvest of Dateline? Yeah. Cornucopia of Dateline. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect for Thanksgiving. So... We are getting a Thursday episode, which was great, but also very sad. They're all sad, of course, but this involved a young teenage girl, which is just even so much sadder. And so we decided to do this one instead. But we are, I think, going to play around and maybe sometimes we'll do the Thursdays if we really like the Thursdays. What do you think? Absolutely. Yeah. So we will want your input, too. So let us know on social media. Like, not which one you like better, but which one you think would be more... Which one you absolutely want to hear us cover. Yeah, exactly. Oh, also, I know people will be disappointed because Thursdays had the biggest bow we've seen in quite a long time. Mm. Like, it's such a bow. Like, a, a be- when the bow breaks, the cornucopia falls. And it was too much bow for one episode to handle. <laughs> so, I know people are going to be sad we're not talking about him. We might talk about him at another time. Just separately. So, And for everyone who keeps asking about Page Turner, which was the new but not part of this season's episode that aired while we were at CrimeCon, we will be doing that one eventually. That's about the woman who wrote a book to help her children deal with the death of their father and then was accused of killing their father. Wow. So, yeah, that one was wild, too. So this one is The Clearing. It aired on October 6th. 2023 hosted by dennis yay i feel like we haven't seen him in a while i think at this point we should just switch his nickname if you're new here has always been dennis is enough because we couldn't find out what dennis's niche was for the first little bit of our podcast but now i'm pretty much thinking we should just change it to gumshoe dennis gumshoe dennis absolutely yeah Yeah. dennis noir whatever yeah that's it's something in that vein because he's full of all of them in this episode every expression he's got them all and we should do a trigger warning for this episode. Yes. So many trigger warnings. We're going to be talking about suicide. We're going to be talking about the death. Well, every date line has... Mainly suicide and mental health. Suicide, mental health. For and all real. of our episodes should have a murder trigger warning. But you should know that if you're listening to a Dateline podcast. Also, if you know anyone that's in crisis, you can call the Suicide and Crisis Lifeline at 988 in the U.S., and there are resources also in every country. Dateline was good enough to put that on the screen several times during the episode. So we are in one of our favorite places in this country, Idahoa, specifically a corner called Ohio, which I think is a city in the state of Idahoa. Mm-hmm. Which is a tri-state conglomeration yep. LLC. There we go. <laughs> This is the story of Emily Noble, who loved the woods. She was obsessed with foraging for food, which immediately brought me back to the mushrooms, hunting mushrooms debate from last year, where they said hunting mushrooms, and Mm. we said, I thought it was called foraging, and I got so many messages saying, you can also call it hunting. I hear you. I don't agree. I was wrong, (laughs) but I still think it's, I do, I I still think you're all wrong. 
It maybe it's it still a little, sounds a little funny. colloquialism, but anyways, they say foraging in this episode. I was very yeah. excited they didn't say hunting. So she was married to Matt Moore, who has a scraggly, gray, woodsy, hipster, beard, lumber sexual type vibe. I'm going to say it's a full lumberjack. Lumberjack. If the beard uh, is below an inch down from your chin, and this yeah. is a good two inches. And scraggly. I don't know if I would call it scraggly. Uneven. It wasn't trimmed like Sean Connery. He might take offense to that. I would call it wiry. Wiry. Because there yeah. seems to be multicolors running throughout the beard. Which is fine. Yeah. It's just a different look than when you have a super tight and right beard. It's not a giant brown Paul Bunyan beard. It's right. much, it's a wiry, maybe he's in a folk band beard. Yeah. Maybe he's in several folk bands slash jam bands yeah. slash musical things that he plays on the weekend. But he's yeah, not really he's, a part of them. They are both like early 50s mm-hmm. age. And Emily loved this bar called Dick's Den. I love it. I love it. She was a free spirit. Dennis calls her a neo-hippie tiny dancer. Which is probably, if someone ever described me as that, even though I'm not, I'm very well aware that I'm not that, it's a, <laughs> it feels like such a compliment. It's such a yeah. nice thing to say about someone. It really is. And we should all just get, that could be like a thing on Cameo, Dennis describes you. That you pay money and then Dennis describes you. Yeah. That would be great. We're, next time we meet him, we're going to have to ask. We've never had him describe us. Oh, yeah. I wonder if Dennis would do that. That's really... He would. I'd probably with some get good that adjectives. tattooed on myself. <laughs> so we are meeting so many of Emily's friends, it's hard to keep up with. Like four or five. Way more than usual. Yeah. And they all seem great. We've got Celeste is probably the main interview. Celeste who becomes is kind of important. Yeah. And then we have Krista, who is the bartender at Dick's Den. And then we have Wendy, who is sitting at the bar. I really liked Wendy. I don't know. Yeah. She was mm-hmm. great. She's a straight shooter. Mm-hmm. I'm sure her and Dennis got along like gangbusters. What about the tall, slender man in the woods wearing a leather jacket and a Viper Room baseball hat? Do no. you remember him yeah, or yeah. was he an apparition? No comment. Because he was sort of like, I maybe still have fever dreams from COVID. <laughs> I was like, was he really there? Because he would just be there and he was so unlike her other friends who were all these like women. And then you see, see this very tall, slender man in a a leather like trench coat in the woods and a hat that says the Viper Room on it. He's got a life story and I want to know what it is. Yeah. And he loved Emily. He did. Like, they all loved Emily. And you yeah. know that he was her art friend. Oh yeah. Probably. Maybe. I would guess or, I would guess he does some so? kind of art. Okay. I'm so curious about his life. Yeah, so uh if he's out there, reach out to us. So Emily and her husband, Matt, this is the beginning of the lockdown, the, I almost said breakdown, the breakdown of society in 2020, the worst year of our Lord and Savior. It is May of 2020. And the bars had started opening up in Ohio? Oh, sure. Okay. So By the end of May? This is Memorial Day, so it's like May 31st. So Emily and Matt went to a bar, but they were like the only ones there. They were chatting with the bartender. She makes a point of saying she was wearing a mask because she knew I was judging. It was so out of of nowhere when she said that. And I was like, okay. 
So I think it was also like she knows it might be controversial that the bar yes. was open, but I think also in the back of her head, she was like, I went two months without income. I was yeah, really happy the course. bar was open. So yeah. it's tricky. She was happy to have customers. Way. And we all should still support our local businesses. So they had this night at the bar. The next morning, Matt called her friend Celeste and said, I don't know where Emily is. We're supposed to go to a party. He called the police and said, I don't know where she went. I think she went for a walk. She didn't come back. Her car and her keys and her phone are still here. And then he tells them he had been in bed sleeping and, as Dennis says, noodling around on his phone all morning. As you will want, you, one is want to do, a, a mid-morning, uh, early morning noodling. Noodling. Mm-hmm. And he didn't notice for a, a long time that she was not there. He is a day drinker. Yeah. He is unemployed. Mm-hmm. And he is not 15, but I think his activities are much like a 15-year-old on spring break. And he is sleeping until four, playing video games on his phone and not noticing if there's anyone else in the house. So They're not telling us anything that he is doing, which is... He doesn't do anything but drink during the day. That's all they tell us, multiple times. It feels like he should be writing a book or something. And then It is COVID, to be fair. A lot of people were day drinking during the beginnings of COVID. We don't really find out until a couple moments later why he might not be actually doing anything during this time. And then it sort of makes sense. You're like... Oh, okay. Yeah. That's why. So So, Emily worked for Ohio Medicaid. And the thing about Matt was he used to be a casino dealer in Vegas. Then his mom died and left him an inheritance. And Mm -hmm. however much it was, it was enough that he did not have to work and hung out. They drank a lot and he would drink during the day. And then there is this other horrible thing that also explains some of this behavior. And again, COVID, like no judgment of what you were doing during COVID. Some people made sourdoughs and some people watched The Wire for the first time. So, And some people just got divorced. I mean, lots of stuff happened. Yeah. So police go to the house. So much of this episode is on body cam footage, which is fascinating. We're seeing a lot of really important things happen actually on video from body cam footage. So the police go to the house and he's trying to explain to them. And then this very strange moment happens when Celeste, Emily's best friend, walks up and he thinks that it's her. And he does kind of a double take. He was like, oh, I was just, I thought that there she is. But it's Celeste. This is Celeste. They they do actually kind of look alike. And if you, they really do. And yes. if I don't, like, if I don't have my glasses on, I have a slight prescription. I remember at my desk at my office, people would walk in the front door and I would not know who it was until they got a little closer to me. So I actually found that, like, very real. But the other thing is that I was thinking about later, he is, becomes a suspect. It's obvious. It's always the spouse that becomes the suspect. If he did kill her, wouldn't he be like he saw a full-on ghost walking up? Correct. Like, oh, my God, I killed you. The reaction is not what someone would think. It's if- very casual. It's sort of like, oh, there's, oh, that's not her. It's, it's so it's- casual that it feels like evidence that should have been brought up later. Yeah, right? Oh, but there she... Oh, wait. Oh, no. Okay, sorry. I thought you were... It's just a full-blown moment of realization from someone you're not recognizing from a distance. It's definitely not... And I don't not, think he's that good of Oh, an my actor. God, you arose from the dead. 
No, exactly. This is not season seven of Buffy. Right. What evil curse has brought has brought in you back? It's this the monkey paw or something. Mm-hmm. It's not like that at all. No. And I don't think you would have even planned out to do a double take like that if you had killed her. Like, oh, it'll look really good if I think that's her walking up. I don't think he's thinking like that. No. That devious. I don't know. I'm not saying I think he did it or not did it. We'll get to that at the end. I am definitely not saying that. He is very suspicious later on. But this moment is very strange to me and does feel like it could have been analyzed a bit more. Yeah. And I'm glad they included it. Me too. Because it was just a little side moment that I didn't even think was that important until like re-going through my notes. Well, and at first I felt like they were showing it to show... He doesn't even know what she looks like, or I don't know why they were showing it, but it doesn't read that way. It more reads, okay, well, he clearly wasn't involved because he would have been real freaked out, even as chill as he is. Yeah, I'm so glad you've noticed that, too. Mm -hmm. I feel the same way. Totally. So the house inside is immaculate. She was a meticulous housekeeper. The bed is made. Now, the thing about the bed situation is that he says he had gotten up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom and didn't get back in bed with her because he didn't want to disturb her. So he went to sleep in the guest room. So that's why he didn't notice that she got up, made the bed, left, all of that because he was in another room. Or there's more to that story. Like they weren't sharing a bed because they were in a bad place in their marriage. There's a lot of ways that that could be interpreted. Or she's a light sleeper. Or she is a light sleeper and he does do that to be nice when he goes to the bathroom. And if he gets up and goes to the bathroom and knows he can't go to sleep right away and wants to scroll on his phone and she needs darkness and the bright light from his phone is going to keep her, you know, that could have been an argument that they had had. So Mm -hmm. she had said, if you're going to do that, go lay in the other room. Yeah. A neighbor says he saw her that morning in the garage and they show, uh, again, on body footage, Matt hears this and he's like, oh, thank God. And he like kind of does a fist pump like he's very relieved that she has been spotted. Genuinely relieved. Like unless he's acting, he's a really good actor. No, it's not a Chris Watts with the arms up behind oh, the God. head, the thing. No, yeah. it's fully like, okay. It's a sigh of relief that he's giving that the yeah. neighbor saw her. I feel like. it. I know, right? We're going to need a column or something. Column pro and column murderer. Okay. Because this is, oh, she's actually going to do it. Yeah, we should probably do it for this one. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. It's so hard to tell. It's like each thing is a pencil, Kelly Siegler. And we, I'm sorry, Cam, who designs those funny animations, made these bingo cards for the podcast. And now I feel like I'm subconsciously mentioning things that are on the cards. So people will get bingo. And I mentioned the pencils. The reason we think he's not a murderer would be the fist pump relief. And the reaction to seeing Celeste. Relief to the neighbor and seeing Celeste. Okay, so two to zero so far. So far. Mm -hmm. We're going to get so many in that cons column, though. Don't you worry. No, no. These are the cons. I don't know what pro it it is. We we want him to be the murderer. No, this is that, okay, it's not really a pro-con. It's a did he, didn't he con. Okay. Detective Grubbs is on the case. And something about this made his nose twitch, which is not the first time Dennis has said that expression. But he, he likes It's the first time expression. he qualifies it. Because he goes, oh, yeah, he did goes, it make your nose twitch, if I'm using that right, or if that's the correct <laughs> phrase. I know. 
I do wish Dennis and Grubbs were like buddy cops. It'd be like Grubbs and Murphy. Yeah, gr- on CBS after NCIS Minneapolis. Grubbs is a great cop name, but I don't. Yeah. Grubbs know. and Murphy. As far as a buddy ride along, he's not. No. He's not it's right just for the it. Name. He's just not right for that part. Sorry, he's Grubs, not. you it's seem fine. You're just not right for if this. If I could combine him with other cops we've had that would be better at that role, a, a buddy cop with Dennis, and then give them the last name Grubs, then that would be perfect. There we go. A body swapping situation. Yeah. So now the neighbor isn't sure anymore that he saw Emily that morning. Now this drives me crazy. I don't like that. They ask him maybe, I don't know, a day or two later, and he's like, now I'm not sure. Maybe I saw her the day before. But when you originally asked, it was that day. So does this neighbor genuinely not remember if he saw her that morning when they asked him that afternoon? I know memories are funny and very non-reliable. I would love to see how the questions were posed to the neighbor, because this feels like he's the neighbor is being led yes, away from what yes. he saw, or he or she saw. I agree. Are you sure? Could it have been this day instead? And then they get him second guessing. It feels like that. Because I'm sure when they asked him that afternoon, you go, oh my God, she's missing. I just saw her this morning. Right. Hey, I'm upset. Yeah, I'm sorry. I know I mean, we don't know, but it did feel like something it felt, was afoot. Or maybe his wife like got into his head. You know, you're kind of forgetful. You know, you get confused about dates and stuff all the time. You know, I mean, if it was Joni, I would not. I she could have seen a full on elephant in the morning, and she would have forgotten and thought it was five years ago. I mean, if it was me, I could have been thoroughly convinced that the day this happened on this day, and it didn't. Mm-hmm. So I. But it seems odd that they would give that story the day that she went missing. Right. That day, the neighbor that day, said I feel like he had seen the most her reliable. several hours before. That feels like the story you go with. Your first story that you give to police the day of, I think, is the most reliable. Yeah, they're not going to misplace those hours. That's what I think. That's unlikely. So officers bring in a bloodhound. A good boy. Mm-hmm. And he does some sniffing and tracks a scent to a gravel drive between two houses. And people at the gravel driveway houses have not seen Emily. They are cleared. No further investigation is done about this. Could she have gotten into a car at the driveway? We don't know. Why bring in a good boy on the scene and then not trust his research? I do not know. Now, would this been the better point for Dennis to ask? Now, did that make your nose twitch, Detective? Because mm-hmm. of the bloodhound's nose, you could tie it oh, all together like it. as one. Yeah, I like Maybe. it. Matt takes the detectives to the edge of the woods where she would forage. Kind of tells them this is where she likes to go. Then we find out some horrible things. Trigger warnings abound. Mm-hmm. Emily had a first husband that had killed himself. Then her parents died in accidents. This is so horrible. And then she managed to heal herself through nature, foraging, taking photos of nature. She really worked on herself. Four years after her husband died, she met Matt. Now, Matt had a teen son named Joey. Oh, my God. We learned. And I was just like my mouth. I couldn't even type. I was like, how is this getting sadder? It kept getting sadder. Joey had schizophrenia, and he hanged himself in the woods 
mm-hmm. less than a year earlier to when this is happening. Yeah. That's and then we learn that Matt also had a toddler who had died from an illness. So he's had two children die. Hmm. She's had her first husband and her parents die. Hmm. I don't even... It's they are like trauma bonded. It's really, really sad. Um, it's so sad. And then... And it makes a lot of sense now, this sort of explanation of Matt. That Why his behavior is so strange sometimes, I feel like. Correct. And why he's not really doing anything right now, I think he's just not. Yeah. And I think that's okay. Yeah. Take a minute. Take a minute. You're okay. So the bartender from the night before told them, the police, that they were lovey-dovey one minute and then she could sense tension. So a couple. They're a normal couple. So literally a couple. Okay, yeah. got it. This is why I couldn't bartend, though, because I would be spying on every single couple trying to prevent a murder. I would be slipping notes to women being like, I thought I saw a twitch in his face. My nose twitched My when nose he twitched. said that. And <laughs> beware. So police think it's strange that Matt was hanging out all day playing Fortnite or whatever and not searching for her. And I do think that's weird. He can be as lazy as he wants during COVID and when he's going through this grief and he has an inheritance. But if he thinks she's missing enough to call the police, but he has not gone out looking for her. He didn't go to the woods where he thought she might be. Of course not. But why would he want to go to the woods again when his son hanged himself in the woods? He's not going to the woods. He doesn't want to find anything. He does not. It makes complete sense to me. (laughs) It's like, yeah, I wouldn't go. If I thought she was hanging out at her favorite spot in the woods, I would just wait for her to come back. I have a feeling he doesn't go there. Yeah. I mean, I would put that on in both columns because that's so like it could go either way. Okay. That he wasn't looking for her. He was a big drinker, though, and Emily was getting frustrated with that. And friends tell police that he was controlling, which is red flag number or whatever Mm -hmm. he sits down with the police he tells them or they tell him you know what the neighbor isn't sure that she he saw her this morning and he right away says well that looks bad for me i guess right did he watch a lot of true crime because some of these answers could be explained by him watching a lot of true crime is he also pretty smart And is he very smart? People seem to think he was really dumb online, but I thought he seemed pretty smart. I think he might be smart. I think he might be very smart. And I think he knows right away that he's a suspect. And so they think it's weird that he keeps saying, I didn't do it. I'm not a, don't think I'm a suspect. And they haven't even accused him of it. I would think that if I was, I watched so much true crime and I would right away be like, I know what you're thinking. It's not me. A hundred percent. I think he may have, yeah. I think he may have watched a lot of true crime and can kind of figure out where this is going. Yeah. Or maybe he hasn't even just has understood through osmosis because true crime is just in the ether uh, now. Yeah. The husband did it. Right. Yeah. So they ask Matt to rate his marriage. 10 is honeymoon phase. One is, and Matt interrupts and says, did you read our texts? And I thought that was very interesting. Yeah. He's really on to what's happening. Yes. And He says, well, for the last six months, it was an eight. It was very good. But 
Cops had found a text from Emily to a friend a month before saying, Matt picked a fight with me. He said some awful things. I'm not wearing my wedding ring. And Matt admits their relationship was like a roller coaster, but it's not like someone would hurt someone. He's Um, like already jumping to murder. Again, I don't know why this isn't brought up more in this, but something really awful happened less than a year ago. Something super traumatic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll bet your relationship is a roller coaster because I bet your emotions are both roller coasters. Yeah. Of like blaming yourselves, blaming others, blaming them. You know, it's going to be a mess, right? But do you think it's weird that she's only been missing for a few hours and he's like, I wouldn't hurt her though. Like, I didn't kill her. No, I don't. Kind of. It didn't ring. I don't know why it didn't. I can see why it might to some people, but I guess yeah. maybe I just watched I too really much need Dayline. to know if he watches true crime. Yeah, because if he does watch true crime, if he's aware of Then all of this makes sense. Then all of it makes sense. If he doesn't, then I have more questions. Yeah. All right, I'm putting that in the questions column. Uh, We have so many. Mm -hmm. A friend said that Emily had bruises on her. Mark that down. Okay. Now they tell Matt this, and Matt eye rolls and shrugs. And he says he has a lot of shrugging and a lot of eye rolling and a lot of smirking in this episode. He comes off a bit arrogant and smirky. Yeah. So- he says, I never hurt her. I loved her. Now, if you didn't catch that, what I just said, then you are not watching enough Dateline. And I stole that line from Mank because he said it once in an episode. You ha- if you didn't catch that, you haven't been watching enough Dateline. He said, I loved her. Past tense. She has not been found dead yet. Mm, so I'm putting that in the... That's not good. He shows them that he has no bruises, no scratches on him from like a fight with her. He agrees to take a voice stress test, which is like a lie detector, and they tell him to relax. And he says he's nervous. And the results indicate deception. I mean, his wife is missing. I think this test is going to be super unreliable. I mean, I know they're unreliable and not used in court, but he says how nervous he is and his wife is missing. And they're just like, relax, it's fine. Easy breezy. I'm sorry. That's going to be very hard to do. I also hate to bring this up, and I'm not besmirching him in any way, but if he is a day drinker of alcohol, this test is not going to read correctly. That's true. Because there might be some sort of dependence on alcohol at this point. Yeah. If he's he's drinking every day. Yeah. Then if he doesn't currently have any in his system, it's going to be all out of whack. That's a good point. Good point. So the cop just starts screaming at him, like, you killed her. And he's very calm. He says, I didn't, sir. But he's almost smirking. Mm -hmm. And they're like, she's dead. And he goes, then where is she? Show me her. (laughs) Because they haven't found her. And he is kind of chuckling quite a bit. like, And he does it a lot with Dennis later. So It's definitely nervous laughter. So Matt stops talking to the cops. He is done being accused. And Dennis says... Or Dennis, I thought, said they were raking his teeth. And then I put the subtitles on and he said right in his teeth. I don't think so. I got he says it to we get a bunch of interviews with Matt's friend Arturo. It's like one of the only friends of Matt's we get. And Dennis says they were raking his teeth, weren't they? Subtitles said right in his teeth. I googled both expressions and I couldn't really find anything. Raking his teeth. In the teeth means like right in their face, right in the heart of it. So 
that seemed more plausible to me because I googled raking his teeth. I couldn't find it. I Someone let us know what he's saying. Teeth. I heard raking his teeth, but subtitles sometimes are better. Two out of two podcasters heard raking his teeth, which <laughs> means it's probably that. Dennis also says to Detective Grubbs about this interview before they start yelling at him, was it too soon to hit him with the big stuff? <laughs> Dennis is killing it. He's doing I love great. Dennis. So tons of people came together for socially distanced searches with masks on. I love this so much. Her friends set up a Facebook page. They are really going all out for her. It's so amazing, including these two sisters, Lisa and Sherry, who knew Emily back from high school. And they organized their own searches on top of the police searches. And these two sisters have matching glasses Matching layered haircuts with bangs, matching black cardigans. I'm saying Markov twins on your bingo cards, even though they are not twins. They just are in unison. Twins. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing. Matt, however, never went to a search. And people find that very odd. Emily's odd. Emily's best friend, Celeste, asked him, why aren't you searching? And he said, oh, those people hate me. Which I kind of think that's why you should search to show them that you're a good guy and you're trying to find her. But he just didn't want to be around people. No. That he felt like were suspicious of him. Where are they searching? Oh, in the woods. In the woods. He doesn't want to go in the woods. He doesn't want to go into the woods and he doesn't want to talk about it. Oh my God. Alternative theory. It was the woods themselves. Right. I'll write it down. Write it down. So... Sorry, that again, if you're new here, that is from The Evil Dead, the movie. And the woods attacked somebody. It's just, it was horrible. We'll talk about it in detail another time. So, or we was, won't. Go watch the movie. Ju- You'll understand. So he said he didn't want to go to those searches. Also, someone on Twitter pointed out, I think it was Jennifer, said like if he had been the one to find something, then they would have suspected him even more. So it's a no-win situation. You know, it's bad gonna... that you didn't. I, I don't know where to put no searching. This is all these things are very much like the first half of Gone Girl, the book and the movie where everything oh. Ben Affleck does makes him look so suspicious. Like when he smiles when they're taking his picture and he's like, it was just a reflex. Like someone had right. a camera. I just smile. He's like an awkward guy, but he comes off really smarmy and everything he does looks terrible. Well, he is smart. He's cheating on her. That's true. He is cheating on her. But yeah. So we're seeing Twitter messages where people, you know, the citizen detectives are, the husband did it. He's guilty as F. And Dennis reads it. He reads as F. And I loved it. Rumor has it, he was a bad father to his son. He had him out of school for two years. That's messed up. Do not bring up his son. That is so messed up. And it's also someone who doesn't have all the facts. And that's really tiresome. My daughter went to school with the son and said, blah, blah, blah. Like, I'm going to need more credentials on that because that is just gossip. And it's gross. Stop it. It is gross. And then somebody was like, I was looking for the obituary for the son and I can't find it. Stop it. What is wrong with people? This is what people talk about when people do, go too far. This is yeah. what they're talking about when armchair no. detectoring or like just internet meanies go out there and think they know things and they don't know things. It's not You have the not good nice. people in Don't F with Cats 
and you have these people and there is such a line it's so clear Mm -hmm. and these people step over it like so far over it they do a running pole leap over it but think they have every right to you would not be able to tell them that you know this is not their business yeah i'm a citizen okay yeah would misty do that i was gonna say misty quigley would would do so much more (laughs) She would Misty Quigley actually, would have already hacked the bank accounts. but Yes, un- she would have found the mom of the teenage son, mm-hmm. gotten all the info, yeah. But Misty, I feel like at this point, too, would be like, all of you Drugs are ridiculous and it's not pointing to him. Yeah, And she He's would quick. already be going into the history of the people with the gravel driveway. Yes, yes. And it might involve drugging them to plant cameras in their houses. It might. Yeah. It might involve some minor home invasion. Yeah, but... That's Sorry, if you do. don't watch Yellow Jackets. If you don't Yellow watch Yellow Jackets and think that Misty Quigley is a friend of ours from college, <laughs> that's not what's happening. I'm so sorry. This conversation has gone off the rails. So <laughs> a friend of Matt's son that died said he actually became very close with Matt in recent years. And Matt was a great father. And the two of them would even go pass out flyers for looking for Emily together. And they had hoped that she had had some sort of mental break, needed to get away, something like that. And she Is this Arturo left. said this? This is Arturo, no, right? this is this teenage friend oh, yes, of I his remember son him. that passed okay. away that they became friends. But this is also, that's a perfect example of like, he's not searching with this. No, he's not searching in the woods. He's doing something else because he right. can't do that. Right. So small town gossip mill of course, takes over and says, Matt has this friend, Arturo, who seems very nice. We're meeting him. Super nice. Super nice. And Matt's brother. The two of those guys came to town to help search. And there's this rumor that they had actually come to help him cover up something, like move a body, something. No one knows. And they think like he paid them for this. And like this is one of these wild rumors that... People come up with out of nowhere. Why else would Arturo and his brother come? Because his wife is missing and they want to help. I mean, I'm pretty suspicious of people, but even I wouldn't be like, oh, they came to help move a body. Like, why would they come to move a body after he had called the police? You do that before you call the police. Yeah. Doesn't even make sense. So introducing another podcast on Dateline that isn't us. But we're not really meeting anybody. We're just hearing some of it. And it's an interview that Matt did with The Vanished podcast. And he's talking about how people want him to stop talking, but he can't stop talking. And I think this is when he said, I'm a clown, but I'm not sure if... I know he said I'm a clown at some point, but I missed it. But everyone on Twitter was saying it. So I'm going to insert it here. He said it at some point. He's like, I can't stop talking. I'm a clown. Something like that. But Mm -hmm. the vibes this producer gets is that Matt did it. So he came on to sort of explain his case and that he's looking for his wife and he didn't do it, but it comes off the opposite way, at least to the producer of the podcast. Months pass. Detective Grubbs is still working the case. The searchers started waning, except for those sisters. Those sisters, Mm -hmm. they grew up solving puzzles in their family and this was like a puzzle for them to solve. They also gained a member and became a trio, Sue. And... At this point, Dennis is leaning so casually and so precariously on a bike rack in the woods talking to these ladies. I was very nervous, Mm -hmm. but he looked sturdy enough. 
So Sue was passionate about searching because a neighbor of hers named Patty Atkins had gone missing decades before and was never found. And I did Google her and there's tons of theories and videos and episodes about her. Hmm. So that affected her and now she really wanted to search for Emily. One summer day, they found a ceramic Christmas ornament in the woods. No one in the family recognized it, but they kind of just remembered that it was there. The ladies were worried that summer's almost over, fall is coming, leaves are going to fall, and they're just going to cover everything, and evidence will be lost. So they amped up their searches. They went back to the place where the ornament was found. Detective Grubbs had told them, don't be afraid to go someplace we've already gone. Detective Grubbs is really welcoming help from these searchers, which I think is cool. Yeah. And he's like, if you we've searched it already, go back. Maybe we missed something. Right. And so they go to this very secluded place in the woods. They take Dennis there. They go look for the ornament, and it's still there in the woods. And they pick it up, and I was like, has this ornament been tested? Like, I don't know. They're just holding it with their bands, and I can't believe it was still there, like, so much later. Like, this is now years later that Dennis is there filming, and that ornament is still in the woods. But it's... Also, I'm sure it's been tested by now. I would really hope someone's tested that ornament. Nobody for blood tested or it and put it back in the woods. Right? So, so then it's I'm, not tested. So, so I don't think it was ever tested. Not that it was used as a weapon. Like, I don't think, although she no, did. It was small. It was small, but it's like ceramic. But not that, but who, I don't think it was left by her, but it still feels like it should have been gathered up. That was the marker yeah. they used. But how far, okay, well, we'll see. So one day they're searching. They go towards where that ornament is and they see it's like cold and wet and they almost give up for the day. But they say, let's push a little farther. There's this area further past that we haven't gone to. And it's so thick with brush and branches. And they are dragging our poor Dennis Murphy through the brush with the ladies and he's getting all scratched up and he has leaves in on his shirt and his hair is getting all tousled. And I was like, he's in good shape, too, because he's just climbing through that. Oh, yeah. And then he gets through and there's a full on leaf in his hair. Yeah. And I felt like everyone involved in search parties needs to go on and change their pros hair care. Oh, with the review and refine feature. Exactly. Exactly. I am in the woods often. Right. I am in damp conditions. I get leaves and dirt in my hair all the time. Because I'm a searcher. That is one of the beauties of having customized hair care from pros is that you can make those changes when your hair situation changes. Most of you have probably heard us singing the praises of pros for several years on this podcast because their truly custom made-to-order hair care is amazing. Switching to a custom routine from pros was one of the best things that I have ever done for my hair. And the results I'm seeing just keep getting better and better year after year. Katie's hair looks so good right now. She changed the color. It's glossy. Which means I now am changing my pros formula by using the review and refine feature. With pros, my hair has gotten shinier and softer through the years, which is hard to do on bleached overprocessed hair, along with making my hair smell great. Because Mm. with pros, you are able to customize your scent as well. I'm going to change this time. I'll let everyone know. 
what I've decided to change to because I have not tweaked my formula yet. But I've never had a bad one. And I've probably gone through three or four of their scent profiles at this point. Pros knows that there's more to you than just your hair type, hair color, hair damage. Pros has given over 1 million consultations with their in-depth hair quiz, which is how I originally got started. They ask you a lot of questions like your zip code, what are your eating habits, how much have you been in the woods? That's not an actual question, but it could be. Well, also like you're the mental woods that are in all of our heads. They do ask questions about stress because that affects your hair. Also, mm-hmm. your exercise level. Have you suddenly stopped exercising or have you never started? They right. need to know those things. There we go. By analyzing over 85 personal factors, 85, pros handpicks clean, sustainably sourced ingredients that get you closer to your hair goals with every single wash. And the review and refine tool is my best friend because it lets me tweak my formulas for any reason. So changing up your address, changing up your diet, or changing your hair color. Kimber is right. So I am red again, Mm -hmm. which means whole new formula. I need everything tweaked. Goodbye purple toned shampoos, income sort of richer conditioners and things that help me because I'm dying it a little more often. But most importantly, as a carbon neutral certified B Corp, Pros is an industry leader in clean and responsible beauty. All their ingredients are sustainably sourced, ethically gathered and cruelty free. They are also the first custom beauty brand to go carbon neutral. We love Pros. And if you're not 100% positive that Pros is the best hair care that you've ever had, they will take the products back, no questions asked. Custom, made-to-order hair care from Pros has your name all over it. Take your free in-depth hair consultation and get 15% off your first order today. Go to pros.com slash date with dateline. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash date with dateline for your free in-depth hair consultation and 15% off fall into beautiful hair this autumn with pros. Pros, 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 strike pros. Thank you so much, pros. Thank you, pros. I'm so excited to tell you about our new sponsor, newspapers.com, the largest online newspaper archive. If you're looking for the perfect gift for genealogy lovers this holiday season, Newspapers.com now offers gift subscriptions to their vast archives of newspapers. They have more than 900 million pages in their collection from across the U.S., U.K., Canada, Australia, New Zealand, and beyond. Unlock hundreds of years of wedding announcements, obituaries, family stories, and so much more. This is probably more for genealogy lovers, but do you know where my mind goes to? solving crimes. I'm thinking we are all going to become citizen detectives and solve a really old cold case. Help the family history lover or crime solver in your life break through genealogical brick walls with a gift subscription to newspapers.com. There's always something new to discover with new papers added every month. Long after other gifts are forgotten, a newspapers.com subscription will continue to delight. For listeners of today's show, newspapers.com is offering 30% off gift subscriptions for a limited time. All you have to do is go to newspapers.com, use the code DATEWITHDATELINE at checkout, and let us know what crimes you're solving. So poor Dennis with a leaf in his hair. But like how on the spot are these Dateline reporters too, by the way? Like Andrea's revening 
that's not a word. Repelling. Repelling into a ravine. Yeah. And swimming with sharks practically. Has a Alligators, anaconda around snakes. her neck. Yeah. And Dennis is like foraging, climbing through, traversing, like basically bushwhacking. The whole camera crew is doing it as well. That's a great Let's not point. forget them because you see the camera sort of going through and branches <laughs> are hitting the cameras. They are troopers. Everyone. My gosh. Dedicated. So they make it to this clearing. And so Lisa, one of the sisters, is telling us about when she went there that day. And she saw what she thought was a little girl on her knees. And this is so sad. And she said, she was so startled. She said, hi there. She was not expecting anyone to be in the woods. And then she realized it was actually a small skeleton on her knees. And she was in shock. She called for the other ladies. They were all in shock. They called the police. They said they felt like Emily had wanted to be found and drew them there because they were ready to go home that day, but something pushed them forward. These ladies are the MVPs for sure. Yeah. And so the police arrive and it's all on body cam footage. They don't show the body, but the they show the women and they're shaking and they're like the police are like, wait, what were you doing out here? And they said, we were looking for Emily mm. and we found Emily. It's crazy. I got goosebumps. Mm. And Detective Grubbs arrives and he said he was embarrassed for the department because she had been maybe a few football fields from their house, they don't say the exact distance, but it, they show us on an aerial view, and it looks to be very close to the house. Very close. Within walking distance. And she had been there for four months, and so her body is decayed. Mm. She was in a kneeling position with a USB cord around her neck and a water bottle with alcohol in it near her. And so it looks like she hanged herself, and in this kneeling position, which is exactly what happened in our recent Patreon about the hypnotizing principle. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was very interesting. Yeah, Matt said he had been worried that she might have hurt herself. And they had had a rough time over the years. They had both had a lot of tragedies. Sorry, this is also the first time we're getting Dennis talking with Matt. Is after with Matt. The, after she's found, we get just Dennis and Matt right now. Oh, is that the first time? This is the first time. So they're setting it up like, we'll talk to him after the break or whatever. But he also looks very different than his lumberjack. He looks different now. He has several, several full on look changes in this episode. Definitely. It's hard to recognize him, to be honest. He looks really different. He talks to Dennis about more about the relationship two years after they started dating Matt moved back to Vegas to focus on his son's mental health and he was overwhelmed and Emily was there for him and he said, I need help. You want to get married? And she said, sure. And so she moved him and his son into her condo in Ohio and she ran the house. She gave them structure. She gave them chores. And Dennis says she was Charles in charge. Sounds like she's Charles in charge here is the quote. I don't think Dennis has seen Charles in charge because Charles was in charge of nothing. Those children ran wild in that house. Charles was in charge of our days and our nights. But really, he wasn't. Charles Um, in charge. And do you remember when I looked up the theme song and it's so much slower and sadder than I thought it was? And that was like a weird Mandela effect. It's so weird in my head. It's so peppy. YouTube the song. It's going to (laughs) upset you because it's so slow and melodic. So 
Emily tried to really be there for Matt and his son, but unfortunately his son killed himself in the woods. And Emily started seeing a therapist for her own mental health. Matt says she was suicidal, but he couldn't deal with it. He said, I was drinking a lot and I wasn't there for her. I would say, get away from me. She was very upset and depressed because I wasn't paying attention to her, but I would literally be like, get away from me, which is horrible. But he was also who he, the trauma of losing a child. You can't judge someone for their behavior. This is not a good combination at this point. They do also have vastly different needs within that. Yeah. She had all of these other things that... I think it's amazing she was going to therapy. I think they both should have gone together separately. But she needs something from him that he is just unable to give right now. It's, right. This is a... You can feel how... Awful yeah. this must have been for everyone it, involved. Every absolutely. single person was not getting what they needed. And then the trauma of the pandemic hits. Correct. Like, and then you're stuck in a house with all of the feelings that you have just sitting with you. Yeah. Oh, it's a powder keg. It really is. So he says, I really needed her. And Dennis says, did you love her? Because those are two different things, needs and love. And I was like, move over, Dr. Drew. We have Dr. Dennis in the house. Yeah. Also, How, that's a hard question to ask on Dayline Dennis. <laughs> I mean, but it's so good and smart and emotionally intelligent. It is, but like I didn't I was, want him to answer it. I was like, you don't have to answer that. It's okay. <laughs> She's not here. Yeah, that's true. So he says, did you love her? And Matt says, I loved her to death. Now, Thank that God. is... But that yeah. is a sentence that could be said so many different ways. Maybe Katie will do a line reading of a maybe innocent way that could sound, a sinister way that could sound. Well, that's um, just a pause. It's, I loved her to death, or I loved her to death. Yeah. It's literally a pause. It's an chills. insertion of I a pause. Chills. There was yeah. no pause, therefore, he just loved her that much. Okay. It's really a pause analyzing. Yeah. Yeah. So he lists out his defenses for Dennis. He says, look, I agreed to the lie detector because I didn't think I had anything to lie about. Yeah. Everyone says I didn't search. I put up flyers and I gave $10,000 to Crime Stoppers for a reward. Yeah. He must have gotten a lot in that um, inheritance because later he gives out 10000 somebody else. So he says, I couldn't join the searches because I couldn't be around police. Police had accused me of her murder. I did not want to be around them. He also could have said the woods. Also the woods. And also he the says, woods themselves. The woods themselves. I, I feel like I understand the police thing too because we have at this point seen the police interview where they're screaming at him. Is there a chance that he's mad? I would be mad if someone had yeah. yelled in my face that I had killed this person yeah. that I loved. Mm -hmm. I would not want to see them again if I could at all avoid it. Would yeah. not want to see their faces. Yeah. He says, it's like a train that can't be stopped and you're being railroaded. And I was like, oh, that's like a double play on words in one sentence. Yeah, I think oh, you need to go I, back and purpose? watch that segment. Because Dennis starts it. Because he <laughs> starts to go, it was like, and Dennis said, law enforcement left the station and you couldn't stop it. Oh, yeah. He, Dennis's he, station. Dennis uses law enforcement as the train. Right. Law enforcement and equals the, and train. And there's a station. And then it threw off Matt's next line, which was, well, it was like a train, ain't like a, but he realizes Dennis had already used the analogy. So he was kind of trying to, he couldn't pivot from it at all. It yeah. was, 
his brain, his thought process was not leaving the station. His, his <laughs> thought process was boarding the train and was yeah. stuck because Dennis had beat him to it. Oh, my God. So, oh, later I just emailed you because later on we're going to do a reading of one of their conversations. Oh, to send in it. as our audition? No, for reading well, no, we, for reading emails and texts? No, but that we could do that as well. This is more I just need to reenact the strangest conversation that Matt has with Dennis. And it's one of the strangest I've ever seen on Dateline. The one that's in the preview? Yeah. Okay. So he says, look, we were happy. And then that we see footage of like her laughing and he's flying a drone in the house. And then he says, but also she was quiet that weekend. She wasn't laughing at my jokes. Maybe those jokes were funny. But also, you can't analyze someone's behavior before they kill themselves because sometimes people are happy. Sometimes they fake being happy really well. You don't know what's going on. And all of her friends are like she would never kill herself. And that's the really something you can't say because you never know what someone's going through. So right. he figured all of this scrutiny on me will stop when they found her body because it's clear that she killed herself. And Dennis says to us, remember, though, you're watching Dateline. There's more to come. Self-references Dateline. That's a, so, that, that's a, I can't remember how I phrased it on the bingo card, but like host mentions Dateline or talks directly to us. Okay. Or like gives us an order. Okay. Remember, you're watching Dateline or yeah. remember that person for later. That sort of thing. Yeah. Anyone mentions Dateline, though. That's, I think, on the cards. Someone mentions Dateline. Got it. But Detective Grubbs is not so sure it was a suicide. He had a nagging feeling. His teeth are itching like crazy. Or his nose, nose is, twitching. is twitching. I don't know. <laughs> Everything's itching and twitching. So Emily's friends, they all believe that she wouldn't have done it. And it was her birthday that weekend. And it was also her sister's birthday. And she had specifically promised her sister that she wouldn't kill herself. Which to me means... She had discussed it like it had been mentioned as a possibility. Why else would you make that promise unless that had been up in the air as something that was plausible, right? I don't so know that, if that promise was made recently. That promise was probably made after the first, her, husband? The first husband killed himself. Yeah, maybe. I would have liked to have known more about that. Or possibly after the first husband and after her stepson. Mm -hmm. And then her sister became highly concerned. Yeah. Emily had been seeing a counselor. Apparently, she was more concerned with Matt's mental health since his son died. Right. And Dennis says, so she's talking to the counselor like, I'm worried about my guy over here. Dennis, I love you so much. He's so wonderful. the prosecutor thinks the prosecutor is prosecutor Mark Sleeper. Mark Sleeper, his first sticking point to why it's a murder is that she made the bed. He does not believe she made the bed that morning and then killed herself. I think that is so dumb. Dennis thinks it's so dumb. Dennis said she was like an incredibly neat person. And a lot of people, I think maybe when the, before they kill themselves, they kind of put some things in order and they're things and like physical things that makes you feel better. I don't know. I can totally see that being part of her morning routine and her doing it. To me, that means nothing. Correct. Like it was a routine or a habit. It doesn't. Or it's like, I don't want to leave a mess for the people I'm leaving behind. So I'm going to clean up. Right. And leave it tidy. I am surprised she didn't leave a note. Not a lot of people leave notes. I am going to put the note in the column of 
he did it. But not a lot of people leave a note. I think I Googled it. It was like 30% or something. So I would feel like in this situation because of Matt's history and if she was worried about him and where she did this, all of Mm -hmm. this feels like. That's the other thing. Like, would she do this to him again? Right. And I'm not victim blaming or blaming someone who killed themselves. It's just a question. You're not blaming. You're asking. That Would is something... she do that exactly the same way in a, the same place or the same type of place? I don't know if it was the exact same woods. She hanged herself the same way his son did a year before. Did they say the it woods? was the exact same? They didn't say it was the exact same, no. Was she found with a phone? No, her phone was at home. Or a tablet? No, she had the alcohol bottle. Okay, so the USB cord wasn't attached to something. No. So did he go to the woods and bring a cord with him and kill her. I just, but I can't, I think, again, I'm not judging her. No. Because obviously she's not in her right mind if she was going to kill herself, if she did kill herself. To do that in the same place, I can't imagine how traumatizing that would be for Matt to have two people in a year hang themselves in the woods. Would she, would she, if she did it, was she just not thinking about him in that like what that would do to him or was she angry with him? Was she? I don't think it would be anger. I think it would just be whatever was within her was so overwhelming that it right. just was. These are questions. I, don't... I mean, I know the woods were her happy place. So even after what happened with the stepson. So that mm. maybe would be where she would go. But perhaps was it also kind knowing that he would not go into the woods so he would not find her? Maybe. I don't know. This case is really hard for it's me to figure out. so hard. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, I don't think that making the bed means what you think it means, prosecutor. So people around the town and the friends of Emily start to think it was a homicide and a staged suicide. Detective Grubbs said she must have been killed in the woods because the condo was spotless. There's no other crime scene that we can find. So someone, they think Matt went with her to the woods or followed her into the woods, killed her there, and staged it like a suicide. Dennis says, I think it's a story that's going to be told by bones. I loved it. The show? That should have been the tagline for the show. Yeah, they should have gotten Dennis Murphy to record that as the tagline for the show. They get experts at the state university to study her remains. And they say at the time of her death, she had new fractures not just in her neck from hanging or strangulation, in her nose. Something had broken her nose at the time of death. And then we meet this forensic doctor named Dr. Bill Smock, and that name rang a bell. We know him, don't we? We know him. I knew it. We know him from a dateline called The Sisterhood, but he also testified in the Derek Chauvin-George Floyd trial Mm. also. So he's pretty prominent. So he thinks it was a staged suicide, that she was manually strangled and hit in the face. Matt's first wife had accused him of choking her two decades before. Wow. So that was like, you got to put that in huge letters in that column. And he, he fully admits it to Dennis. He says, yeah, it was a long time ago. I haven't done it since then. It is what it is. Like very nonchalant. Like, what? I've never heard of an abuser just stopping at one time. Like, no, it's not for me. 
I think he's like not dignifying it as what he's doing, which is an odd choice to do. He goes on to say, but we were together for a long time afterwards. We had a son. Like this was I, like something... I wouldn't do it once we had a son or I, he's dismissing it in such a way it makes him come off really pompous. Yeah, like at least just deny it. So then they're ready to arrest him. They feel like they have enough. And they do another very overdramatic takedown to arrest Matt. Last week, we had them doing full-on camo, like 70 members of like different agencies doing like a swarm, swarm. And then they just like arrest him like nothing. But that one made total sense. That guy had an arsenal of weapons. Right. And and was like an ex-army. Yeah. Mm -hmm. This is a hippie guy he doesn't i guarantee you he does not have a gun he has medicinal marijuana stop being extra dennis calls them seal team six they have huge guns and riot gear they do and they swarm his car it's all on body cam footage and matt calls it porn for the blue line crowd wow wow that's my title for the episode And he says it got over half a million views on YouTube. And he's like, why didn't they just call me? Seriously, like they could have just called me. I would have come in. Why do they have like bulletproof vests and machine guns? What is the... They put it on YouTube too. And they who put it on YouTube? They did. public record? Do they do that like... Yeah, the such and such county. Show we got the bad guy? Yeah, takedowns. Takedowns. Oh, my God. I mean, it is a homicide, but he's not a violent. I mean, no, he well, don't, maybe he is. We but... don't think he has a weapon. No. Do you just arrest him or say you want him to come in? He would have come in. He would have showed up. Like, what are you? I don't understand. It was that kind would... of bizarre to watch. And Dennis also seemed to think it was a bit bizarre. Oh, yeah. He yeah. totally thought it was crazy. So the trial starts, which is also televised. And we see body cam footage of the day she went missing where Matt is talking to the police. Matt is pondering to the police like where Emily likes to go and he kind of tells them where in the woods she likes to walk. And that's when the cops say, did you go look for her? And Matt says no. And that is really crazy sounding until you think about the thing that happened with the son. So it could go either way. I understand why they think it's super suspicious that he was just lounging around the house all day, didn't go looking then you guess it could kind of make sense. But I was at the time like pause Mortal Kombat and then go look for her. But he doesn't. But then I guess I kind of understand. So best friend, Celeste testifies that Emily seemed happy. She didn't think she would kill herself. Again, we know that really doesn't mean much. But the part about this is she barely recognizes Matt in court because he shaved his mountain man beard. And they say, do you recognize him in this courtroom? And she take full 50 seconds she's looking everywhere she's looking like at the guards at the jury she's like is he the judge i don't like she's barely looking at the defense table like she's you know kind of looking sitting. she scans it and then sort of moves on and then like kind of looks back and kind of keeps going and then looks like at the it. audience is he sitting over is he a reporter where is he the stenographer where, where is he and when she registers him the funniest thing is that she kind of smiles at him. She's like, oh, yeah. there you are. There you are. And, and what's, It's like funny to her. It's funny so that different. she totally doesn't. Yeah, because she's only known him with the scraggly beard. And the, But the other funny part, of the, the also funny part about that is that he didn't recognize her. 
when she first right. showed up at the house. He thought she was Emily. Mm-hmm. So do they just have face blindness for each other? What's going on here? But then his reaction to this is really great. And he tells Dennis, I love Celeste. Yeah. And it's just, it's such a genuine moment that you can tell, oh, he really actually does love her best friend. He goes, it's her yeah. best friend. He's and not mad at her. He's not. He's just testifying. bummed that she yeah. believes that he could do something like this because it means she thinks bad of him. Yeah. Another friend testifies that Matt was possessive, drank too much, and Emily had bruises on her arms. And she asked Emily about the bruises, and Emily got very defensive, and the conversation got heated. This is all obviously from this friend's mouth, but that to me, the fact that she says Emily got defensive and they started fighting about it or got heated makes me think there's something there with the bruises. Something with the bruises. These were not like innocent bruises. So prosecution shows these texts where Emily's saying, you drink too much. And he says, your intellect is shallow. And also it's you are for your. How do you dare say someone's intellect is shallow and you're using you are as an abbreviation? Hmm. Hold my Cheetos. I need to punch something. I was so mad. How dare he talk about her intellect no thank you that's a bad insult that's going on my list that's going in the cons chart or pros chart whatever so they show the interrogation room where matt's the first one to bring up that he didn't do it i didn't hurt her what don't think i hurt her and that again is a true crime thing does he watch true crime Mm -hmm. they bring up that matt wrote Arturo, his friend, and his brother checks for 5000 each, so $10,000. And people were like, what were those for? The prosecution doesn't explain what they think they're for. They just drop this small-town gossip rumor, basically, and it's like, yeah, we don't know what that, what could that have been for? What do you think it was for? I don't know if it was for what... Dennis asked Arturo about it. And Arturo says Matt was helping him with expenses during a tough time. So was Arturo having a tough time because of COVID? Totally makes sense. And his brother was having a hard time. So he gave them each 5000 Maybe they own small businesses or they were laid off from their companies from, because of COVID. That makes sense. And or, they're coming to help him do this stuff, right? Canvas. Right. Do whatever they, he's giving it to them as a like as a payment, a helping payment, kind of like a okay. You also so you're taking time off to come if you me. if you still have a job if you still have a job. But regardless, thank you. Mm-hmm. Here's five grand each. Yeah, he because must, I know again, you're not working and whatever, but you're also helping me. Yeah, I mean that's plausible. De- Arturo is very convincing to Dennis. He's like, they think I'm like a good fellas, like fixer or something that got paid. And why would I take a check if I was like hiding a body weird. or something? Yeah. Why would I take a check? So then Dr. Bill Smock takes the stand and he heads the Training Institute of Strangulation Prevention. And we, again, have seen him before in a date. I remember, remember the, the name Institute of that. Of strangulation prevention. Yep. Yep. yep, yep, we, yep, yep, yep. I think we thought it was a strange name, and I still think it's a strange it's name. It's a strange name. Yeah. So he says she was punched in the face before she was killed. And he uses a model of a neck and a USB cord to show that a sl- thin USB cord 
could not cause these quadruple fractures because there are fractures of bones on top of each other on each side of the neck. And they must be by someone's hands, like a bigger force, not a thin USB. He says, I, and also she is so small, she weighed so little that she could not have broken those bones by kneeling with this cord on a branch. It wouldn't be enough force to cause these bones to break. Never in the history of hangings has this happened. And Dennis says, where is this database? Where are you getting these numbers from? And he's like, we have a database and you can look at it. And it shows that this never happened before. And Dennis is like, you trust this database? And he's like, yeah, it's the only one we have. Skeptical Dennis. Skeptical Dennis. Dennis is super suspicious of Dr. Mm -hmm. Smock. He totally is. Enter hotshot defense attorney, Diane Menashe. Yes. She is great. And she says there's no real evidence. She says, first of all, they didn't test a lot of things for evidence, like Matt's shirt that he was wearing the night before when they think he did it. They never tested that shirt. The dogs tracked to that gravel spot. They never really looked into that. They never looked for criminal histories on any of the neighbors that lived there. Did they look for security footage to see if she got into a car? I'm not sure. Hmm. No one had security footage that pointed towards the street. I find that strange in 2020. A lot of people had security footage by then. So she points out that Matt... This I didn't like. This was her weak point to me. She goes, in all of those texts with Emily, Matt never texted her, I hate you. I want you dead. I'm going to murder you. I'm going to kill you. She never said that. Well, he's not necessarily going to say that, especially if it was a crime of passion. He's not going to be texting that for months before. I don't think that means what she thinks it means. But the texts were pretty nasty. He did insult her intellect. I did not like that. But did he insult? Were there was there more than that? Yeah, she had texted her friend that he had said horrible things to her, and it made her take off her wedding ring. And so there have been plenty of texts that show that they were fighting and that he was drinking too much. But like so, how how many? Sorry, just because the line m- only shows us a few. My my, I'm curious about. I wish they would have shown more of that trial to see how many texts there were because every couple fights. And mm-hmm. especially every couple fought during COVID and especially every couple fights when couples have some other large event that they're sad about, right? That like all of this is like a breeding ground for fighting. So my question is, how long did the text go back? Right. Were they getting progressively more intense? Were they getting progressively violent sounding? There's a lot of things that I would have questions right. about in their communication. What was the happening? The text to the friend was a month before. Right. But I'm not sure how far back the texts were. He says it was a rocky relationship. I'm sure it was. But like all of it sort of makes sense. I always say Gino and Jasmine on 90 Day Fiance are going to wind up on Dateline. But if they don't, or if they do, and someone is killed by accident, God forbid, like the police would look at their texts and their fighting history Mm -hmm. and be like, they 100% murdered each other. And so that's what my question is. If they are an erratic couple, like that is, I don't know how you'd say it, hyper emotional, have gone through this trauma. They're just emotive, emotional people. They might have horrible fights. I'm saying not even not emotional people have fighting texts with their spouses. 
Yeah. Oh, absolutely. But even if he said, I hate you, I think probably couples say that too. Every fighting text taken out would look bad for any couple. Absolutely. So that's my question. What are we seeing leading to this? Right. The fractures. A friend says, what about the fractures in her nose? You can't punch yourself in the face. And I was like, yes, you can. Have you seen the TikToks of people climbing milk crates that I talked about in a recent episode? Don't overestimate people. That's why America's Funniest Home Videos ran for 47 years. It might still be on because a lot of people are getting punched in the face and getting balls thrown right into their Becky's protege. That's literally all that show is, right? It's It's, just people getting injured. It's balls in the Becky's protege. It's injured. Smacked in the face. Concussions broken bones, jumping on trampolines into pools and it hitting their heads. So no one, America's just, most violent home videos. 1000%. And you know what I think? Most of those injuries could be prevented with better sleep. Yes. Let me tell you about Hatch Restore 2. I am in love with this little device. It's like a robot that I have named and I'm in love with. I'm not going to tell you the name. Why? The Hatchy. I don't know. Hatchy. Henrietta. Hagatha, I'm helping you name it in case you haven't. I'm giving you suggestions. Thank you. It's Hagatha. It better be. (laughs) The innovative all-in-one dream machine. It is a sophisticated sound machine, which sounds like the name of a smooth jazz DJ. I don't know if those exist. Like elevator music DJ. DJ Hatch. DJ. DJ Hagatha. Sophisticated sound machine. DJ Hagatha too. It is a light and an alarm clock in one. It is beautifully designed for your bedside table. I feel so classy when I look at my bedside table now. If only I would remember to toss out the used tissues and the sinus nose strips all around it. My bedroom is a sexy, sexy place. It is with the Hatch Restore too. It was engineered to help you form healthy sleep habits for life. It teaches your body when it's time to sleep and when it's time to rise with light and sound cues. It can coach you through meditations and mindfulness exercises so you can relax before bed and you can ground yourself in the morning when you wake up before all the chaos starts. You know, also when you have your alarms to like a song you love, but within a week you hate that song and it's so triggering to you. Oh, yeah. Like I have never hated a Taylor Swift song more when I've set it to an alarm. Like, I never thought I would hate a Taylor Swift song. But when it's my alarm or yeah. my ringtone, I absolutely hate oh, it. Oh, yeah. You can mix it up with the hatch, too. You can get your choice of so many sounds. I've been falling asleep to rain and waking up to waves and this warm sunlight light, this, like, orange. But I just found owl calls on the app. There we go. Because there's an app where you said it. So I'm going to try falling asleep to that. Maybe I'll finally solve the staircase murder in my sleep. Yeah, I really it'll think just it's come gonna, to you. It's going to unlock something in my brain. Yeah. I am also going to try a turquoise color to wake me up. Ooh, that's good. you can good. like pick the color. I use the Hatch app also to give me reminders of when to wind down for bed. It's really helping me learn how to sleep better and develop better sleep habits. And that makes me feel so much better. The next day, I'm like so much more productive and in a better mood. 
Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of a Hatch Restore 2 and free shipping at hatch.co slash dateline. Sleep deeply and wake gently with the Restore 2. Go to hatch.co slash dateline to get $20 off and free shipping. Again, that's hatch.co slash dateline. Thank you so much, Hatch. Hatch some good habits in sleeping this fall. With your Hatch 2, get one. They're amazing. Get, get one. They're so good. I'm in love with my Henrietta. What did I say? Hagatha. Hagatha. Hagatha the second. Katie, if you're feeling the opposite of Hagatha, you're feeling haggard. Yeah. What can you do to brighten up your skin and look a little bit more thriving? Makeup. Yes. Makeup and skincare, both, specifically from Thrive Cosmetics, because Thrive knows how to make you look and feel beautiful. Just a little bit on the outside. I know we're supposed to feel beautiful on the inside. Thrive helps a little bit with that boost on the outside. Mm -hmm. And Thrive Cosmetics beauty products are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. What could be better? They are made with clean, skin-loving ingredients, high-performance, and trademarked formulas. Also, uncompromising standards. I have never tried a bad product from Thrive. I don't think there is one. No. uh -uh. I think they're all fantastic. It's easy to see why their bestsellers have thousands of five-star reviews. Go to the website and check it out. That's not a joke. So many positive reviews. Also, so many positive reviews from a Date with Dateline listeners. Like, say that Thrive, the mascara got them hooked. Oh, yeah. And then they stayed, and now it's all they use. And now it's about the Infinity Waterproof Eyeliner, which my sister made me give her because she said she was out, and I felt so bad because she was using it. Just It's her go-to. And so I was like, all right, I'll give it up. It's fine. I'll have to buy a new. It's an excuse to buy more. So that's fine. Also, if you're in love with Thrive as much as we are, you have got to try their impactful semi-permanent smoothing lipstick. This is going to be a must-have for going into fall. It is fade-free for up to eight hours, which means you apply, no need to reapply, without bleeding, drying, or settling into fine lines. It is really hard to find a lasting lipstick to do that, especially in the colder weather that doesn't crack your lips or bleed over the lip line, which is a problem I have. The impactful semi-permanent smoothing lipstick from Thrive stays put where you put it. And it also creates visibly fuller, smoother, and nourished lips. And it has a creamy satin finish. So it doesn't look like that dry, cracked, haggard lip. You know what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. The lipstick is infused with moisturizing ingredients like botanical oils, vitamin E. So it's always comfortable and feels good on your lips. And there's 12 shades, everything from your everyday tones to vibrant statement-making colors. Joni, I'm looking at you. Get thee to thrivecosmetics.com and get one of these semi-permanent smoothing lipsticks. And Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that actually gives back because for every product purchased, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive. We love a company with a cause and Thrive Cosmetics, it's in their name, Cosmetics. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash date dateline. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash date dateline. Get over there for 20% off your first order. Make a statement with beautiful, smooth, long-lasting, colorful lips this fall with Thrive. Yay! Thank you, Thrive. Thank you, Thrive. So the defense attorney 
says that the bones were mishandled, so you can't trust basically anything, which is always that good defense. Like, no, no facts matter. You can't trust anything. Mm. She says she loves the expression garbage in, garbage out, yeah. which means if you start with bad data, you get bad results. And she even asks Dr. Bill Smock on the stand, have you heard of the expression garbage in, garbage out? It's my he favorite does, does, What does he say? I think he says, yes, I have. He says, yeah. And have you I been accused of this before? Sorry. I, may, I don't know. It's, or is it a common phrase? Huh. I've heard like fruit of the poisonous tree. They say that all the time on Law and Order. Yeah. But which is kind of the same concept to me. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. I feel like she really wants to TM that phrase. So she is very animated during her, during the trial. She gets down on her knees a lot. Mm-hmm. Like to demonstrate the hanging incident. Oof. And she's like, you were not there, Dr. Smock, to see how the cord was around her neck. And she's like asking him on her knees. And then and she says that over months as the body decomposed, the cord could have shifted on the neck, which is probably true. But I don't think that has anything to do with where the bones were broken. I don't know what that proves. But Wouldn't just it though as trust- the cord shifted, so the weight shifted as the body changed? Wouldn't it also break other bones? No, not because it would just be a skeleton at that point. And the skeleton, she pointed out, is so much lighter than... True, okay. So I don't think that it would. But she is very spry on her heels, I have to say. Like, I'm not in shape enough to be a defense attorney because she's like down on the ground, up on the... In her heels, just up and down. She's very dynamic. Yeah. Dynamic Diane. Yeah. So next up on the stand is Dr. Heather Garvin for the defense, and she is a bad lass. She's, I think, really cool. She's great. She is a forensic anthropologist from a different university, so it's like university versus university. And she says the fractures on Emily's nose are old and had been healed years before. So they could have been from anything. Dennis is like a ski accident, anything. And there's nothing new there besides the neck injury. So she says the real problem with Dr. Smock's testimony is the diagram that he's using and the model of the neck. The two bones that were broken are very far apart and it's misleading. And I was like, oh, Oh. you just called Dr. Smock misleading. Oh, boy. Dr. Garvin shows us a 3D printed model to show us how these bones actually are. And they're very close together and they're connected with cartilage. So she said a USB cord could absolutely break both of them. And so she says, I can't be sure how Emily died. There's no way to tell if it was strangulation or if it was hanging. It could be either. So she's not ruling out murder, but she's saying it could be the cord. And you we can't say that it is for sure the other because you don't have the other signs that strangulation would bring because the body is a skeleton at this point. Exactly. Right. It's very funny, the image of this young female professor mm-hmm. versus this old white male professor mm-hmm. guy. And she's basically calling him like not good at his job. Yeah. It's like she's saying Dr. Smock should hang up his smock and get out of the studio. Yeah. The young ones are taking over. It you is know? a little bit. 
the visual was interesting there. So the prosecutors in their closing finally say what they think what happened. They haven't even said up until this point what they think happened that night. They think Emily went for a walk and Matt was playing on his phone. There's a 40 minute gap where he wasn't on his phone. And during that time, he went to find her in the woods and attacked her. But they are just guessing. They have no real clue. What was he doing on his phone? Right. That would be maybe helpful. Like, did he find something out? Was he reading their text messages? Did something trigger him to go do that? Or was he just playing Call of Duty? Right. I don't was know he if you playing can play that something? on your phone. I don't think was you he play playing Best phone. Fiends? But like, yeah. Was he playing something on his phone? June's Journey. Then 40 minutes, there was nothing. And then at 40 minutes, he came back on and watched funny YouTube videos. Like what? Right. I feel like right. that would tell, maybe, I don't know. Right. Like, what do you watch before a murder and what do you watch after a murder? Right. Did he watch so, Catfish? Probably not. Yeah, Catfish for sure. You might turn into a murderer because that's all you're watching. Yes. No, I'm done with Catfish. I've, oh, good. I've moved on. Tune in to our what, what <laughs> Watch Like Nobody's Watching, Don't Watch Alones. I can't wait to hear what you're obsessing over. No, you, that is on our Patreon you can at the wait. $5 level. Wait, I have two questions before we leave this part. Yeah. There are two things that I really wanted to know. Why did the, his first wife, Matt's first wife, not testify? Yeah. Because that would have cleared up a lot of the DV stuff. Uh-huh. That would have been a really good unit, either a uh, good witness, either for the prosecution or the defense, depending. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Why was that not happening? Did she and we didn't see it? I don't think so. I feel like they would have shown us that. Yeah. And then also, could we get medical records for her to show that her nose was indeed broken? Right. Is there a friend that went skiing with her and it was a ski accident mm-hmm. from years before? Like someone in her life would know if she broke her nose. Hopefully. Like, yeah. Unless it, it was like you, she never went to a doctor. She like just thought. Her sister. I, Did her sister testify? The sister would right. know if she'd broken her nose. Yeah. Unless they were like small fractures. She got hit with a ball. She never went to a doctor. So it wouldn't have registered as like a big incident. True. But you would have a black eye for, from it. So I would think that it would register as an important event. But was it? Was it as a kid? No, I don't think it was as a kid. Yeah, I have a lot of questions. I'd love to know that because those two things would really help. Yeah. Me, personally. Yes, absolutely. So the defense attorney says Matt led them to where she foraged. Why would he lead them there? Like, why would he tell them where to look if he had killed her? Right. Also, they thought it was weird that he didn't go into the woods and search for her. Why would he want to? Because his son had only 10 months or so earlier had been found in the woods. And then comes what was the weirdest conversation we've seen in a while on Dateline. Um, Katie, if you'll have your email pulled up. They say you hit her in the face and strangled her and... Strung her up and put her in the woods and all of that. And did you? Did you kill your <laughs> wife? What do you think? I want to hear you say it. Why? Why do you feel the need for me to say that? Well, did you do it? No. <laughs> I mean, no. There would be evidence if I did, don't you think? So the case is just made up? It's not made up. Police do what they do. They're like of any other business. They look for a crime. And there was an opportunity for them to spend money. That's the easiest way I can put it. But as for me killing M, why would I do that? I loved her. This was a hard conversation. This goes in the bad column. 
He never just says no. I, he like it takes him like ten pushes from Dennis, and he's patronizing Dennis, and he's like being sarcastic and sassy, and with this like Jack Nicholson Christian Slater smirk, and he's like, "Why do you need feel the need for me to say that? Just say no." Yeah, it's almost like he's playing with Dennis. Like I knew you were going to yes. ask me this. And I know that no matter what I say, people are going to think what they think is more why I think what's the dialogue in his head. Yeah. But it doesn't look good when you're doing that. And when you're chuckling and laughing and smirking. Mm -hmm. And when you're saying, well, if I did, there would be evidence, don't you think? That makes it sound like you did it and you feel like you got away with it because there wasn't evidence. It's just a bad look. It's a bad look. And no, the evidence does not make it look like you did it. It doesn't. No, that's true. But the way you're bragging but the, but about this it or like looks terrible. If I had to convict him based on 30 seconds, that would be it. I did convict him based on 30 seconds cuz this is in the beginning of the episode they show this clip and I'm mad uh-huh. that I watched it and I immediately uh-huh. showed it to Oliver and I said this is the one this week. <laughs> and I go, "You think he did it?" And he goes, "Yup." <laughs> and so, I mean, it was sort of a done deal. And then as the episode's going on, I'm like, oh, brother, why did he say that? When is that part coming? Yeah. I don't get this. I he don't know if he ben did Ben Affleck it. in Gone Girl. He's just saying all the wrong things in the wrong manner, yeah. with the wrong cadence yeah. and the wrong expressions, mm-hmm. at the wrong time, to the wrong host, because I don't like people being sassy with Dennis. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost teasing him. And, yes. like, and then when he leans back and it's like, no, I didn't. It feels honest, but you had all this gross stuff before it of you like mm-hmm. playing around with it. It feels icky. Like, is this funny for you? It Why feels you like you're, too, you're being too smart for the room and no yeah. one likes that. No one likes that. No one likes that. It's really not pleasant. Mm-mm. Don't do that, sir. Mm-mm. So Dennis speaks to three jurors, and they say they were pretty split right away. They all agree the prosecution's case was very weak, though, and they all didn't like Dr. Smock. They felt like he was more interested in giving his credentials and his resume than he was with the actual case. That's huge. I mean, that would, so, be, a, that would be a thing I know for you and definitely for me. Yeah, I don't like that. It would feel real irritating. Wasn't there a guy once who called them my jurors? And he <gasps> would be like... Well, my jurors can even look at them and call them my jurors. I didn't like that. I think he was a defendant, though. I don't think he was a a witness. I would have been scowling so hard if someone said my jurors. I know. They would have had to kick me off the jury. Yeah. They would have been like, you need to control your face. Hold my Gatorade. I'm furious. I'm furious. So they spend a day deliberating, and Matt is sure he's going to prison. And they find him not guilty. And he breaks down crying. And... I think it's, I oh God, he, is he just a cocky kind of guy and can't hide it? And, but it, that he's also innocent. It's just a really, her death certificate still says homicide. And even the defense attorney says, yeah, I think it's possible she was murdered. Just not by Matt, by somebody else. So even she doesn't go with it was suicide mm-hmm. because her expert can't say it was suicide can't say one way or another so she says yes anything is possible it is possible that she was murdered by someone else but if anything is possible it's possible that matt did it but they just didn't have enough to prove it 
And doesn't she also point out in trial that the the scent, the dog scent leading to the gravel driveway that the police never checked out anyone that lived there, any of those neighbors, they never did a background search. I mean, that's huge, I feel like. Yeah. What if there was like a psycho person living there? We don't know. Who knows? What if someone just... But would a random person kill a neighbor or a random person like that was just driving through town and then stage it to look like a suicide? Would they know that she had mental health issues and had a bunch of suicides in her past? No, yeah, no. Why would no random killer? I've never heard of a random killing, and then they staged it as suicide. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure someone will tell me. Why would he stage it like that? Because then it doesn't look like a murder. It's way more convincing that it's suicide. So he went into the woods. He attacked her in the woods, is what they think, and. But I don't know where that cord came from, if he brought it with him or he found it on the ground. And then he made it look like a suicide because she had talked about suicide in the past. In the exact same way his son did. In the woods. Yeah. That feels weird, too. This all feels very difficult to get to. Yeah. I'm sure people are yelling. And I'm sure (laughs) people are yelling and suggesting other things that we're not going to suggest. So... Matt says the media and the police have manipulated his family and friends and that he's really a very chill and laid back person. He's not a violent person, except for your first wife that you chill. So he's mad and he's broke and he is just mad at the police. So he writes a book called Emily, A Staged Suicide Mm -hmm. because he wants to get his story out. And maybe make some money, probably. If anyone's read it, please let us know. Yeah. And he moves back to Vegas, which I think is good because everyone in that town thinks he's a murderer. Well, he moves to the desert. What's not in the desert? Woods. Trees. <laughs> right. The I, woods themselves. I would, never be, I would never be near woods again. Yeah. This is so crazy. If, this ha- if he didn't do anything, he is literally the unluckiest man I've ever heard of. But I know other problem, other people's problems don't reflect on you. If somebody has mental health issues, it doesn't mean anything about their spouse or whatever. You know what I'm saying. But so close together, it's horrible. It's, it's really sad. And the friends all seem torn. People online were so split. The friends are pretty split, aren't they? I mean, obviously, all his friends are like, he would never. And yeah. all of, a lot of the women are like, yeah, I still think he did it. Yeah. Anna did a poll and it was about 50-50. Yeah. People just had no idea what to think. But most people agree that there just wasn't enough evidence, even if he did do it. Which is what the jury came to the conclusion themselves, right? It's There's no way. You can't convict based on what happened in the trial. Right. But what you think in your gut is different. Yeah. So I don't don't know. I'm not sure what I think. I'm not sure what I think either. I'm curious to know what our listeners think. Yeah. You sound like you think he's innocent, though. Yeah. Innocent makes the most sense to me, just on off the cuff. But I've been, I'm wrong all the time. What does our paper look like? Oh, it's way more that he did it. Interesting. But. But those are not like weighted. We don't know the value of each statement. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You'd have to assign them number value or something. Because right. each thing is not weighed equally. I don't know, but I'm assuming that you probably think he did do it. I'm leaning more towards that, right. but I'm very, still very split. Yeah, I'm very split too. I could see it yeah. going either way. I yeah. just, I feel like, again, I don't have enough information. To- New segment, what does the host think? 
What do we think Dennis thinks? Well, what we know how Josh Megowitz has described him, which is a consummate professional. So right. I think Dennis does not have an opinion. You I don't think, think he even has... An, I know he wouldn't say it, but you don't even think he has an opinion. I think he probably thinks he did it. Interesting. I think probably just based on his years of doing this, they most of the time they've done it. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, we're going to ask him next time we see him. Okay. B-roll Bonanza. Yes. Squirrels. I saw a squirrel. I was so excited. Squirrel B-roll. There you go. We get a lot of POV footage, like shaky cam. Yeah. Th- them going into the woods with the cameras was, I'm sure, very hectic and a scary mm-hmm. time. I'm sure they're expensive cameras. Yeah. And they're like literally branches are snapping back and things. If you think we're exaggerating, Dennis had leaves in his hair. Yeah. It was a lot. We do get some cool footage of, is it Dick's Den? Yeah. That was cool. It looked like a cool bar. I also yeah. liked that the friend Wendy was sitting at, in the bar. Yeah. That was very fun. There's a time-lapse video outside of a barbecue gastropub. There's also time-lapse video of cops on the scene when they find her body. Oh. Two time-lapse. I, I missed that. The craziest B-roll, though, is these several shots of Matt in shadow. So dramatic. Yeah, they're photos. I'm wondering if they were for the book. It looks like it could be for a book. Had to be. Because in one, he's like half in shadow. Mm -hmm. The room is half in shadow. It's very much symbolic. Did he do it? Did he not do it? Mm -hmm. Chiaroscuro. (laughs) It's very artistic. It is. Hitchcockian vibes. Oh, yeah. Then there's one where he's in a dark room and there's curtains covering the windows, but the curtains are open like six inches and he's just looking out in the light. But very creepy, almost like a Frogger type situation. Oh, yeah. Like he was hiding somewhere and peeping. Oh, no. I didn't no. like it. No, I don't my. think that's the vibe he was going for. I don't think so at all. The other great B-roll that we got is Wendy, who, again, is the friend that I liked, is outside working on her laptop, but she's outside apparently in an intersection. Yeah, at a coffee shop. But it's on the corner and there's cars whizzing by. And I I just can't. How do you see your screen? I don't know what's going on. Uh -uh. How do you relax? It's like people in New York who sit outside at cafes. It was very bizarre. Did you have any fashion police? Emily with heart-shaped glasses. That was really cute. The friend that had the jean jacket, like a black jean jacket, I liked it. It made me think I kind of want one. Oh, yeah. It was that same friend. Titles. Nobel Prize for red flag behavior. There you go. Because her last name was Noble. Because her last name is Noble. Mm-hmm. Blue line porn. Yep. Dennis in charge. Oh, yeah. Dennis in charge, charge of our days. And my best one, foraging for facts. I had foraging for truth. Does that count it, as a double? It does. Okay, there we go. I had prosecution by sleeper, colon, put him in the cell. Get it? Sleeper cell. Sleeper cell. And then defense by Diane, colon, taking out the trash. That should be her on her business card. That should be both of them. Get those. Mm. I'm not TMing them. So they can have it. I just did taglines for them. Okay. Do we have any Twitter in this episode? Yeah. South Beach Girl said, if Matt wrote checks to those guys for helping with a murder, then he is the one with a shallow intellect. True. Black Cat Gal, Matt looks like the type of guy who doesn't know how to make a bed. I don't know why I thought that was really funny. It feels that feels right. That feels right. Yeah. He's 51 and he doesn't know. 
Charles, our, our Charles said, who is in charge, mm-hmm. our Charles says, Matt blaming the media feels like he's talking about Dateline <laughs> with a meme that says, let's just fight. <laughs> it does feel like when you're talking badly about the media and you're talking to Dennis, yeah, who is part of the media, it does feel a little bit accusatory. I don't feel like he's talking about Dateline because Dateline didn't do anything on this case. Right. Not yet. Dateline is doing it now with you. So you're preparing how they're going to twist it, but they don't twist. Oh, yeah. But he's already thinking like, you're going to twist my words, I bet. Well, they are going to use that weird point when you don't answer directly whether or not you killed your wife. They are going to use that because that's weird, Matt. Don't don't do that. Yeah. Jen Cook says, when a spouse rates their marriage, automatically cut it in half. I thought that was actually good math. I think that's fair. Yeah, that is fair. If a spouse on Dateline says, it's like 100%, we're amazing. No. No. Because no Um, one's always amazing. No. Jen Cook says, I have punched myself in the face while trying to pull a blanket up. So yes, you can punch yourself in the face. (laughs) You can. Anna. Sorry, also, especially if she's... Drinking. Right. Yeah. Anna, who did that poll, got bingo. Or her friend got bingo. All right. That's it for Twitter. Yay. Good tweets, everybody. Thank you, everybody. If you've not joined us on Patreon or Supercast, please consider it. We do episodes that aren't available anywhere else every month. There's a new episode. And then we also do other fun stuff. Yeah. Like we're going to be talking about what we're watching. Yes. Every week we talk about what we're watching. If you're interested in that. Yeah. Oh, I'm starting Amazing Race with Kim very soon. Oh, boy. already two episodes behind. It's very exciting. And also, please check out Date with the Bake. If you love the Great British Baking Show, Great British Bake Off, our other podcast, A Date with the Bake, is up and running. Very exciting. So check it out. And that is a separate podcast. So it's on a separate podcast feed. You can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. Yes. A Date with the Bake with Jake. We have a third, with we have a third host. Jake. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, everybody. And remember, be in charge of your own life. Be your own in charge. Yeah. There we go. Bye, everybody. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Because he goes, oh, yeah, he did goes, it make your nose twitch? If I'm using that right, or if that's the correct <laughs> phrase. And I, I felt like that was because you verbally attacked him about one of his colloquialisms in person, and it seemed to give him pause. And I think now he's considering that perhaps some, and it might have been about noses being out of joint. And yeah. so now that he's saying nose twitch, I think he is remembering that conversation <laughs> and thinking that one girl. You know, what's funny is because later he says, as I like to say, a straw man poll or something like that, mm-hmm. like or a straw vote. I can't remember what he said. And like he said, as I call it or something like he did qualify it. Maybe I've made him self-conscious. That is was never my intention. Maybe. I love his colloquialisms. They make my day. No, it was fine. It wasn't that bad. I'm teasing you. Murderous branches. It's really more tie up and attack a woman, and then she runs in, and they're like, "What attacked you? Did something in the woods attack you?" And she goes, "It was the woods themselves. It was the woods themselves." (laughs) It's awkward, and it sounds like you're all of a sudden in Pride and Prejudice. (laughs) It's very. It's not great. It was like homicidal leaves.
and sticks. It's more the phrasing her. of the line. Yeah. Because Hems- you know they went back and forth about whether it was the woods itself or the woods itself, themselves. Themself, you know they had her do it both ways. I guarantee you they had her do it both ways. They we had a dramaturge on set being like the evil dead. And then just throwing up papers and walking out and being like, I don't do however I you want. I can't do this. Dramaturgically, I cannot do this. We'll figure it out in post. You need to call a grammaticist because we can't be, I, this is not my job. He's just lounging around the house all day on his phone, you know, watching, you right. know, I don't know. Watching the raccoon guy. That guy in Canada, in Nova Scotia, that has all the raccoons come at night and they all oh, have yeah. names. Oh, yeah, you love that. And he feeds them hot dogs. Yeah. I watch a squirrel guy. I don't watch the raccoon guy. Oh, okay. So she, <laughs> different strokes for different folks. Sure. So I would watch the squirrel guy. I just don't know him. <laughs>